0: super talk mississippi media production you're listening to sports talk mississippi on demand presented by pearl river resort escape to choctaw mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming the dancing rabbit golf club and geyser falls water park escape to pearl river resort and in the game right here on super talk mississippi
1: Sports Talk Mississippi with you Thursday afternoon. It is the eve of the college baseball season. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and in honor of the start of baseball, we needed a leadoff hitter today. So, what are we doing? What are we going to do? We're going straight to the Farm Bureau phone line right out of the guest to talk with the skipper of the Golden Eagles, head coach at Southern Miss, Scott Berry. Coach, one day away. Are you going to sleep tonight?
2: I'll tell you what it's 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 come here pretty quick, hasn't it? as far as a leadoff hitter, I don't run very good now I hit with power, but I didn't run very good,
1: so well, then I need some Ricky Henderson light production. just hit one out of the park and get me a run early.
2: <laughs> there you go. I'll tell you what he used to lead off a game like Dozier with a home run with the best of, them, didn't he? So, was not a all
1: uh, me on. well, thank you, Scott. Always appreciate your time. um, I was kind of joking when I said, would you sleep tonight but at this point, with as long as you've been around the game, do you still get opening day jitters or chill bumps or that that kind of little tingle in your stomach for the start of a new season? Yeah, I think so.
2: I mean, do you work hard all all the way back to August to try to put this thing together, coaches, players. Everybody uh, for for this one day, and and you know it's, it's the test. I mean, it's the one that you've been studying for, and here of late, just kind of reviewing. And everybody's tired of, of all that, and it's, it's ready to to uh, to tee it up against somebody else and see see where we are. So yeah, I mean, I'm anxious to get it going, and you always are excited about that opening day.
1: I've been saying for a month now that I was looking forward to talking to you about about Matt Walner. I know you've said that he's going to be part of the rotation. Um, and I know that's something you're looking forward to there. What went into your thoughts and your conversations with him about how the best way to use him was going to be this year?
2: Well, you know, I think it was basically we felt like uh, one time a week. It felt like he was one of our best pitchers, honestly, right. just like last year when we made that decision to move Sandlin to the starter. Uh, and, and Matt was no different. The only thing different with him is that he plays a position when he's not on the mound. And so, you know, we felt like that his his quality uh, as far as mound and, and production, what we wanted, was going to be that, that one time a week as a starter versus multiple times where he's also you know, doubling up with the position. So he's getting a little bit more stress on his arm than a normal pitcher would do. So, uh, you know, as we worked with him in the fall and Coach Oz and the bullpen, you know, things continued to look better and better, and he looked more comfortable. Of course, you know, we were we were not putting a lot of stress on him because he was playing a position, but we were able to work with him more than we did last year. And I tell you, Richard, he was really developing nice, uh, developed a little muscle strain there on Sunday in, in our inter squad game, our last one of the of the spring before we open up and you know, from the precautionary there's no there's no structural damage, it's just a muscle strain there in the forearm. So okay. we're not gonna be able to throw in this week and uh this weekend not really gonna I really don't know how I'm going to use him, if I'm going to DH him only or play him in in the outfield. He and I haven't had that discussion. He's going to fight me to play in the outfield, but uh, (laughs) I'm kind of really going to see how he feels today and then tomorrow, and then I'll make that decision.
1: Did you ever toy with the idea of using him kind of the way Mike Bianco used Stephen Head? um when he was here where maybe early in the weekend he was a closer and if he needed three innings out of him on friday night he would do that but then might turn around and and use him as a starter on sunday if he had not gone deep Did, did that ever cross your mind or was this just this was the path that made the most sense
2: no, this was the path that made the most sense. You know, right. I just felt like that, uh, and I think it, each individual is different. And I just felt like from prior outings as as a freshman and even uh, a few just last year as a sophomore that he didn't bounce back well. Uh, to, to try yeah. to use him multiple times. So we were just going to use him, uh, you know, get all the bullets we could out of him. If we could get five, six innings out of him on, on that start, then uh, then he would have time to rest. And, and obviously the reason we're TVA this weekend is because he was going to be the guy on Sunday. And uh, so right now we just kind of let, have to let the uh, – let the chips fall how they may, and after Friday and Saturday, and then we'll determine uh, you know what our, what our best option is for Sunday. Then at that
1: time. Last Matt Wallner question: I promise. When when he goes as a starter, will he be pitcher DH so that you can keep his bat in the yes. lineup even after he comes out of the game?
2: Absolutely, he's got it. You know, he's gonna be just like <laughs> no hesitation he's just be there. Just like Braley. Yeah, we've got to have that presence in in lineup because it's a it's a very powerful presence there. So. Uh, you know that's a good thing about him. He's even though he won't take the mound this this weekend, his bat will certainly be in the lineup for sure. So uh, he's he's one of those kind of guys that has a has a chance to to make that impact that you want.
1: Is Matthew Guidry your anchor on the infield?
2: Yeah, he's solid. I'll tell you. Uh, to look where that young man has come from Oak Grove High School, who he was a good player at Oak Grove, uh, you know, but he has worked so hard. To develop himself and make himself a very, very good player at, at second. His his defense is 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 a little above average, I think, right now. His bat has continued to improve, but his his makeup, his, his character, his leadership abilities that is what to me puts him at the top, and and is a, just a huge part of our of our team this year.
1: You had a guy by the name of Lynch a few years ago that was a pretty good player for you, and uh, you've gone back to the well with uh, with Danny Lynch coming in. Tell me a little bit about him and, and kind of what you expect from him going into this freshman season.
2: Well, of course, you're talking about Timmy Lynch, his older brother, who was a ninth right. rounder with the uh, senior ninth round pick with the Yankees, a four-year starter for us, and, and Danny's I am telling you, they are splitting image of one another. They even argue alike. I mean you can close your eyes and you <laughs> would think that you're hearing Timmy Lynch. So their mannerisms, you know, they're set up at the plate, just everything they do is, is identical. But but Danny's a really nice player, as a freshman. Uh defensively he has really impressed us over there. Uh, same body type as, as his older brother, but maybe a little bit more athletic at the at the age uh, as a freshman as, as as Timmy was. But you know, he's a left-handed hitter that has an idea that can really compete. You know, he was voted, voted our hardest worker, uh, and that's a pretty pretty good compliment for a freshman coming in there. But a guy that really uh, is a student of the game wants to understand and and be the best at the game that he can. So, looking for a, a very nice career out of that young man. I,
1: I feel like I've I've talked to you long enough, Scott, and know you well enough that I know how you're going to answer this. But I got to ask the question anyway. We we were talking with Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. And, kind of was asking his general thoughts on your ball club and he said you know if matt Walner pitches as well as we think he can there's a chance for this team to be really special do you see that when you look at your team do you have that feeling at this point or are you not ready to make that call yet
2: well i know that matt Walner is a very special player you know a guy that you just don't get very often in all honesty you know i mean he's He's, uh, he he made his uh, name uh, as a as a freshman coming in. He didn't you know, certainly he was way ahead of his age, and he's a guy that continues to uh, to draw attention nationally and uh, and everything he does. Last year a Team USA invite, but certainly uh, he is an opposing figure on the on the on the field, both at the plate. And, and on the mound. We haven't seen a lot of him on the mound. A lot of people haven't seen him. And i tell you, he was really, really throwing uh, as good as anybody we've ever had this this spring when, when that happened on Sunday. But, you know, he'll he'll be back. And, you know, I think if we get him back on the mound, then certainly uh, that makes our staff and our team a whole lot better for sure.
1: How do you feel about the schedule, especially the, the non-conference schedule, before you, you jump into league play?
2: It's it's pretty challenging. I mean, uh, the first ten out of eleven games are against uh, last year regional opponents. Those being Purdue this weekend, Troy middle of the week there at Pearl this next Wednesday. Then we go to Mississippi State for three, and then uh, and then have uh, Gonzaga. There's a really good club out of Washington State that uh, that everybody says is uh, really strong this year. So, you know, that's the plan going in to, to making a schedule. Certainly, you want to make it as challenging and. uh as RPI driven as you can, so yeah. that at the end of the year you build the resume that certainly uh, you want to put before the committee to to uh, to warrant a, uh, an an invitation at large if you don't win your tournament. So and that's what we have to do. You know we have to put together those those schedules that are challenging and, and RPI driven to to assure us a chance there at the end to be one of sixty
1: four. Are you gonna to have to make a return trip to uh, to Gonzaga next year or is this one of those deals where they were just they wanted to come south
2: no they just wanted to come south you know I learned it's kind of funny I was in Disney world at Christmas and I was in line with their golf coach and we got to talking about everything and he was telling me the nearest b1 Baseball program to Gonzaga was five hours away, so most oh, of their games are. You know they pack it up and they take off, and certainly uh, with with the weather and how we can uh, provide a little better climate there early uh, in in March is is a little bit better for them. So they want to Absolutely. come south, so we'll we'll uh, welcome and, and host them the best we can down
1: here. Well, I know it'll be a welcoming environment in a few weeks. No trip to Disney World for uh, for the next few months. You've got some work to do. Scott, thanks for your time.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you.
1: Scott Berry, head baseball coach, Southern Miss, saw the Farm Bureau phone line. Says he's too slow to hit leadoff, but he hit leadoff for us on this Thursday afternoon. More coming up. I don't care if I'm biased, I don't know if I'm supposed to have favorites or not, but uh, Scott Berry is one of mine. Absolutely love our conversations, love the approach that he has to the game, like the way that he looks at the game, like the way he fights for his teams. Scott Berry, heck of a guy and heck of a baseball coach at Southern Miss. Appreciate him joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. It's time to say uh, hello to everybody. Hey, Michael. Hey, Richard. How are you?
3: Excited for baseball. Good. I don't hey, get Brian. to say that very often, but I'm excited
1: for baseball. I'm glad that you're excited for baseball. Why Why are you excited for baseball?
3: I, I'm finally buying in. I've always liked, I mean, I liked baseball in college because we got to sit in the outfield. <laughs> it's only
1: taken four years of yeah. Richard never <laughs> shutting up about it, and we're finally here.
3: I mean, in college, you know, you get the outfield stuff and you get to sit and drink beer while there's a game on in front of you. Like, it's easy to like baseball when you're a college student in Mississippi, but it, it has bored me my entire life watching on television, but I've made a commitment this year. I'm going to watch college baseball without a doubt because I specifically have to for my job, but I enjoy it a little bit more. I am going to make a point to watch and know... And keep up to date with Major League Baseball this year. That's my goal for 2019. Are you going to pick a team? I can't because the closest one here is the Braves. And since they're getting better, I don't want to jump on a bandwagon. I got picked my NBA team when they were awful. So I got to pick a Major League Baseball team that's awful.
1: No, let's come back to that. Let's come back to that idea. Hey, Dad, happy Valentine's Day. Hey, thanks, man. It's
0: good to be here. Did
1: you get anything fun for Valentine's?
0: Uh, no, my wife didn't get me anything because normally she just gets me candy, and I'm not living that life right now. So. Ah, yeah. How about an update? Uh, we're about 11 pounds right now, I think. I I, 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 for, I forgot what it was this morning. Ooh, 11 LBs in two weeks? Uh, well, a week and some change now, yeah. It'll
1: be two weeks on nice. Monday. Yeah. Uh, are the caffeine uh, caffeine headaches starting to go away?
0: Yeah, they're gone. Yeah, I'm good.
1: <clears throat> Beautiful. So you got it whipped now. Now it's just it's just yeah. willpower at this point. It's just willpower. Yeah. And uh, well, good. Okay. Have you like had to uh, use a different belt? Um,
0: <laughs> hole yet? Not, yet? Not yet. I mean, 11
1: Not pounds. Yet. That's significant, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. But we're we're getting there. It's, it's it's a process, as Nick Saban would say.
1: Yeah. Well, I like it. So did you get your wife anything?
0: Yeah, I got her flowers, and like I do every year, I get her and the two girls uh, a bouquet every year.
1: Nice, nice, Rippy. Happy Valentine's Day to you, Borky. I guess I didn't say Happy Valentine's Day to you. My bad. No, oh, it's okay. Rippy, Happy Valentine's Day.
3: Thanks, Borky. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to you too. I guess. Okay, now
1: we can stop.
3: <laughs> what is this? What are we doing?
1: <laughs> it's a big old love fest. Uh, Isn't that what ripping. today is anyway? Well, apparently Kanye uh, gets the um, gets the Valentine's Day trophy today. So Kim Kardashian West uh, has put on Twitter, "No big deal, Kenny G in my living room. Happy Valentine's Day." Yet, yeah, so apparently the living room of their house doesn't have furniture, but it does have about 150 single glass vases with long stem roses, one in each vase. With Kenny G standing in the middle of all of them playing the clarinet
0: that's a saxophone it, that's it, that's his saxophone he plays like the, the straight one
3: yeah okay now yeah, whatever
0: right. well I've got, I think I've got like the normal This looks more like a clarinet yeah it does
3: I think I've got the normal dude like not billionaire because I rap Valentine's Day gift hold on there. Kanye
1: up. West is decidedly not a billionaire.
3: That whole family, he and his wife and their conglomerate, they're up there.
1: Well, his wife may have a ton of money, but didn't he like was like destitute not too terribly long ago? I don't know. I don't keep up with it's any of that, that that is a billionaire. Yeah,
3: whatever. I just they're very rich. They're stupid rich. I think I they're got the stupid. middle class thing down pat, though. My wife loves flying, and not just like a commercial jet. Like she wants to go get a pilot's license one day. Like she just she loves flying, and I've got a guy
1: even on a jet plane. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Carry on.
3: Shout out to to Madison Flyers for helping me out. I've got a guy Saturday that's going to take us on a three person plane and teach her how to fly on Saturday. Really? Yeah, that. Is how you do Valentine Valentine's Day.
1: One engine or two? What kind of plane?
3: I don't know. I just know that it can fit three people and I will be in the back. All right. And I'll have yeah. to like sit further to one side for balance purposes. So it's a small plane. You
1: you're feeling good about this this plan?
3: Yeah, I am. And I I'm not afraid to fly. I don't have fear of flying. I've I've flown my whole life, but I still am one of those people that when there's a little turbulence I think, "Oh, here we go. I'm the one in a million here it comes." <laughs> oh, uh, so, and there's supposed to be, you know, rain on Saturday, so it's going to be a little windy and I'm just I'm going to be a wreck, but she's going to have a blast, so I'll have to suck it up and deal with it.
1: You know, it's all about knowing what your partner likes. And that's right. if that's what she likes, you nailed it. That a boy. Did you have to, uh,
4: did, you, did you take care of Valentine's Day, Rippy? I did. I didn't get my Flower delivery service. It's clutch. Flower de- <laughs>
0: what, what did you say about an
4: edible delivery? Hey,
0: but, edible arrangement. I thought he was going to send me an edible arrangement, but he, 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 he it hasn't shown up yet. It's coming. I'll keep an eye out for it
4: Well
1: very good, I'm glad everybody's taking care of of business We are on the eve of the college baseball season We are also one night removed from a big win in basketball for Ole Miss I don't know what you guys talked about with regard to this game yesterday I'm just going to be honest though like talking with, um, so I did the Florida Vanderbilt game in Gainesville last night. And so at, at shoot arounds yesterday, talking with, uh, Vanderbilt's SID, we were just talking about different games in the league that were happening last night and, you know, what Vegas said about those and what the totals were. And I said, yeah, I kind of like, uh, kind of like Auburn in the over in this one. Thought Auburn would score a bunch of points at home and I thought that they would win. And I was sitting next to Damian Fishback last night, who is a former Auburn player. I was like, "Yeah, this was not going to be good for the Rebels." Boy, was I wrong! W- would you guys have been wrong right alongside me, or were-, were you on a different side of this thing altogether? No, we were wrong. I was our, wrong. Sen- our sentiment All wrong.
3: yesterday was, "Hey, it's a free shot. They don't expect to win. Just get past this game and." finish out the winnable games on your schedule when you make the tournament like we were just dismissing chances altogether and that was before we knew Blake Henson wasn't going to play
4: and now it changes the entire outlook of how you look at their season because seven and four now assuming you beat a very bad Missouri team that's eight and four and ten gets you in
1: Yes, and with seven games remaining, you look at their seven games and you go, okay, South Carolina on the road coming up next week. That's not as difficult as it once looked, although that's a good team and they're a better team at home. Missouri, this Saturday is a team Ole Miss should beat. They should win at Missouri the final week of the regular season. They should beat Georgia in Oxford, and then you got Kentucky and Tennessee, and you know those aren't likely. But that's five and two. Oh, and a road trip to Arkansas as well. Four and three seems likely, which would get you to 11.
4: And then you're five done and two. Five and two is not an insane thought, though. I think you're done at 10. If you get to 10, you're not going to have to do anything in Nashville. No questions asked. What do you think the number is? Hey, Dad.
0: Uh, Rippy is right. If, they get, if 10 and eight in the SEC this year is going to get you into the NCAA tournament,
4: No, nine no I might. Nine yeah. might, but you'd be sweating it a little I, bit in Nashville.
0: I've been saying for state, nine is probably good enough because their, their net is so high. But for Ole Miss, too, I mean, it, it's not, it's not going to be far off at nine. But at 10, Ole Miss would definitely be in.
4: And the really, the crazy part about this swing is if you look at the standings now, they have a pretty good chance, not that this necessarily matters, to catch a top four seed in Nashville. Yeah. You're looking at your matters. South Carolina at seven. I mean, it matters to some degree, but I'm talking about it in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Other than I mean, other than it just
0: matters. This team was picked to finish dead last, and they might get a top four seed. I mean, that's you
1: get a double buy and not play until Friday.
0: Yes,
4: I mean, that, which helps. Well, what I does guess, that say for a,
0: your program? What does that tell you about the future? You got to be stoked, you know.
4: Th- it was interesting how dramatic the pendulum swung in terms of the outlook of the season with one game last night. It was interesting. Like, it, because it they was. had no business
1: winning that game last night,
4: right. considering
1: all the outside stuff. But but I think the result last night brings up another question. And we'll ask that question when we come back. And I'll be interested to get your thoughts as well on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Make Studio. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming Supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thursday afternoon. We're supposed to have the start of the college baseball season tomorrow. And my guess is that with being opening day, these coaches are going to do everything possible, everything in their power to get these games in. The forecast is, as, uh, as Rippey might like to say, Suboptimal, less than ideal, which pokes a little bit of a hole in my 70 and sunny on opening day theory.
4: Defy science and meteorology, one could say. I mean, it's almost like it just doesn't... <laughs> it doesn't add
1: up. It just doesn't quite add up. Hey, Dad, is the forecast any different in Starkville?
0: Let's take a look. I haven't really looked at it, to be honest with you. I just I was going to show up at the ballpark no matter what. Uh, let's see here. Five-day forecast for... Why is it giving me San Francisco, California? I've never been to San Francisco. I don't know anybody there. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. So. Well, why don't well, we just Trey keep Levin. going and I'll I'll come back to it.
1: We'll, we'll, we'll just carry on. So I said there's a question that I think is now a relevant question based on the results last night. Earlier this week... Borky, I don't remember if it was you or Haydad. It may have been Haydad that brought this up. Said, who's the coach of the year in the SEC? Is it Will Wade or is it Rick Barnes? And I I don't remember that there was a third option. I think it was just those two that we were talking about. And I said it's Rick Barnes because with regard to the coaches, nobody's going to vote for Will Wade. I I don't believe.
4: Why's that? Because he's on a
1: wiretap? They all think he cheats.
4: I just wanted Borky to drop the name again. Yeah, yeah, it was coming. I knew it was coming.
1: (laughs) Um, Does it change if Kermit Davis and Ole Miss get to the NCAA tournament? It won't, but it should.
4: What do you mean? I
3: I think because if Tennessee gets the one seed and they keep running through the SEC the way they are, that he's going to get it by default.
4: I don't necessarily disagree, but they were good a year ago. They were, and they, I mean, they were projected to to
3: be very high this year as well. And Ole Miss was picked to finish last in the league. And if they get a top four seed, especially, I mean, he should be in the consideration for national coach of the year. If we're being honest, I mean, it, it's remarkable what he's done with this team, considering they went twelve and twenty a year ago. And I understand Brian Tyree is is having an all SEC type season. He's a really good player. Terrence Davis is, is a super athlete. Schuler's a good guard. But when you look at that team. Their first man off the bench is a former walk-on. They're starting and or playing significant minutes with two freshmen. And their two Who's centers, a walk-on? DC Davis was a former walk-on. Oh yeah. And their two centers are not SEC starting caliber players to put it nicely. They they're non-factors in games against teams like Auburn. And he's going to be a top-four seed potentially in the SEC. That's national coach of the year type stuff. I just think Rick Barnes gets it by default because they'll be a one seed.
4: What is, at a certain point, though, if LSU continues ascending like this and say, I don't think they'll win the league. I think Tennessee wins the league. But LSU's got a pretty good shot. If they win the league, don't you have to vote for him? Not Kermit. I'm talking about Will Wade.
1: I, th- I think you're talking about two different awards. I mean the the coach of the year award that the media gives out. Absolutely. It, isn't there isn't there a coach of the year and like postseason all SEC that's voted on by the coaches? Like the yeah. deal where you can't vote for your own player. Yeah. I'm just telling you, the other 13 SEC coaches are not voting him coach of the year in the SEC.
4: I believe that wholeheartedly. Did they vote Bruce Pearl? Well, did, mean, did
0: Bruce win Coach of the Year last year?
4: He should. And, and they're they different, the- right? I mean, well, Tennessee
0: won the SEC last year, right?
4: Pearl's got an assistant going to prison. Yeah, but...
0: yes.
3: Pearl's not on the wiretap discussing payments to players.
4: Yeah, but it's it's
1: not just the wiretap. There is a reputation that goes along with Will Wade. You can believe it or not believe it. You can like it or not like it. I happen to think Will Wade's a pretty good basketball coach. He's got really good players, and he has gotten them to buy in. I think he's a good basketball coach. I'm just telling you that his reputation among coaches is... Not what one would want their reputation to be.
4: The coaches voted Barnes SEC Coach of the Year last year. Okay, sure.
1: yeah, that's not surprising to me. No, at all. Um, I think in in the same way, and and this is based on a season's worth of conversations with a bunch of different coaches, just in general about league stuff. In the same way that. I think Will Wade absolutely would not be voted Coach of the Year. I think there's a really good shot that Kermit Davis could get a bunch of votes for Coach of the Year because he's really highly respected by the other coaches. Um, which is which is kind of interesting to me for a guy who's first year in the league. I guess the difference is maybe, hey, Dad, he's been around so long and, and coached so many games at Middle Tennessee, everybody kind of knows him or has played against him at some point along the way.
0: Right, everybody's played against them. But for me, it's, it's a much bigger job, it's a much better job as a coach to take a team that nobody thought was going to be any good and go to the NCAA tournament with them. Then, hey, we were we were predicted to be good and we were good. We sort of held yeah. serve. So, you know, for me, if I were voting, I would vote for Kermit Davis. If, if he gets that team to a top four SEC seed, and what, what are we talking about conference record at that point? You, you said 5-2, and two and they're 7-4, and four, right? I seven,
1: mean, that'd seven, be 12-6. and six.
0: Six. Yeah, he, he, he would deserve it for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, Adam, on the uh, Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk MISS, not understanding why coaches wouldn't vote for Will Wade. They all do things outside the NCAA rules and regulation to get guys on campus. Tell me I'm wrong. Adam, I am not telling you you're wrong. Uh, and and you, listen, you don't have to believe me on this. You don't have to trust me on this. I'm just telling you, trust me on this. Will Wade's reputation, among other coaches, is different than the average coach that everybody knows, oh yeah, they're probably doing some stuff to get players, because everybody's doing some stuff to get players. Just is. And I say that by also saying to you that I think Will Wade's a really good basketball coach and in the fairly limited interaction that I've had with him, I liked him one-on-one. He was pleasant to visit with and he's obviously gotten a bunch of really good players. I'm not telling you necessarily what I think about Will Wade. I'm telling you what I believe other coaches in the SEC think about Will Wade. And Again, you can take that for whatever it's worth. I mean, you take it for what you paid for. You didn't pay anything for it. You don't. You can do whatever you want to. Um, you followed up with you're not understanding the logic behind it. I just need you to read between the lines on this and realize that maybe the way they're going about it's a little bit different in the 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 perception of other coaches is that maybe things are a little more egregious. That should probably stop. Um, That game last night... Rippy, I know you watched it. Borky, I know you watched it. Hey, I don't know if you did or not. Was that the best single-game coaching job that Kermit Davis has done this year? That's tough. Yes.
3: Yeah, it is. Because... I mean, Terrence Davis could not stop fouling. What what did he have? Four fouls in six minutes, so he was a complete non-factor. He's your best athlete. Blake Henson, although a freshman, has been a a good contributor, and when he's making shots, he's deadly, uh, regardless of his age. And you're already incredibly thin, so take him out of the equation. And you were forced to play two guys that... One was getting knee surgery like four weeks ago, and the other has seven total points on the season going into this game. Two guys that you have not leaned on at all to go to the road at Auburn, and it wasn't a raucous atmosphere last night. I was shocked at how dead the arena sounded on television, and look, there were empty seats in the lower bowl of that place, like a lot of them. I was surprised by that. But you did that on the road, all of those factors against you, and you still... Beat
4: Auburn and seemingly outcoached Bruce Pearl. On the flip side of that, like I, I, I think the answer is probably yes. It's hard to tell. Kermit did a heck of a job, but Bruce Pearl kind of peed his pants too. The think, yeah. the ending of that game was was bizarre, almost where they're playing half court defense and just letting the clock melt, and then they foul with twelve seconds left. I mean that wasn't the only thing, but man. Whoops. Yeah.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Part of the 4 o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, Hot Thanks Studio, Thursday afternoon on the eve of the college baseball season. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau phone line, check out com and go with the home team from Baseball America, Teddy Cahill. Teddy, I hope you're having a lovely Valentine's Day.
5: Absolutely. It's, uh, it's nice and rainy here in Arizona, <laughs> celebrating opening day eve.
1: What's that all about? Two weeks in a row with rain and air... Or Two out of the last three, I guess, in Arizona.
5: Yeah, it's uh, it's a little different, but I think it's supposed to clear out for tomorrow. So that's uh, that's the good news.
1: So Vanderbilt is making the uh, the trip to Arizona and testing themselves pretty well right out of the gate. Vandy winning two out of three, or maybe even sweeping this weekend with games what against Virginia and Fullerton and TCU. What would that? What does that say to you about a team that is either number one or number two in the country for for everybody to start the year?
5: I mean, honestly, that's kind of the expectation. It's I, that, that's a tough ask, I know, but when you're the the number one team in the country, that's kind of what we're looking for. Um, I'd be I'm most interested just in seeing how Vanderbilt lines it up, especially in terms yeah. of pitching, um, and then how those guys do. They have so many different options, and I expect Tim Corbin to mix and match for a while. I'm interested to see what he does this weekend after Drake Fellows starts on Friday night and then kind of what those kids do with their opportunities. I think that, I mean, it's going to be true for most teams that the results on opening day are less important than the performances, but especially for Vanderbilt, just I'm most interested in seeing how they go about lining it up this weekend.
1: And, and isn't that kind of the... I was talking to some people from Vanderbilt yesterday, and there's no question that Drake Fellows is throwing game one. But after that, it seems like there's a like an expectation that there's a ton of talent and whoever it is, it's going to be okay, but they're not sure exactly who it's going to be.
5: I mean, I would think that for the, until he proves otherwise, that Patrick Raby would start on Saturdays. I mean, he's a senior, he has Friday night experience himself. I think that those two are pretty fellows then Arabia are, are pretty well locked in. And then, yeah, it, it pretty much open competition for any other spot on the staff. And at some point, though, if either fellows or rabies weren't getting it done, like, and somebody else was, I don't think they'd be afraid to make a change if they had to. It,
1: it, it seems like everybody... You know, whether it's Baseball America or one of the other polls that's out there has some combination of, of Vanderbilt 1, LSU 2, whether it's 1 2, one, whichever direction. What's the argument for LSU to be that high? But then, if you wanted to play devil's advocate, maybe the argument against LSU being quite that high based on what they did a year ago?
5: I mean, I, I guess the argument against would be that they went 15 and 15 in the FCC and got bounced uh, in regionals. And that, sure, they brought in talent, but also, you know, are they really, are we sure they're really that much better than they were a year ago when they were pretty up and down throughout the course of the season? And then I, I would say the argument in favor of them is that. Uh, they were pretty young last year, by LSU standards anyway, um, and then they went out and brought in the number one recruiting class in the country, and in addition to getting a couple guys back that they didn't expect to in the draft, they also got a couple guys back from injury in Josh Smith and Eric Walker, who or regulars on the, the 2017 runner-up team. And I think that more than anything else, more than the kids coming in, although the, the recruiting class is significant in itself, getting Walker and Josh Smith back is just massive for them because it gives them you know that's a big bat in the middle of the lineup, that's a shortstop, and that's a, a weekend rotation piece. And so I think You know that's kind of what we're looking at when we're looking at LSU making a jump. Those guys coming back, an influx of talent, and then players like Zach Hess and Zach Watson taking a step forward now that they're back for their junior year.
1: I, I think it's a good argument, but there's not pause for you when, if you include injuries, a team is putting... Five new faces into their everyday starting lineup and two new arms into the rotation. There's no pause for you there because of the talent level.
5: I don't necessarily see it like that. I mean, there's turnover, college baseball, and um, you know, I I think that the talent level is high enough. And I think that when we look at you know Vanderbilt's a different story. That's why they're ahead of LSU for us. Uh, But a lot of these teams that you're looking at pretty highly have had significant turnover, Um, and you just have to trust that the talent's there. And I I think that in LSU's case that we feel pretty strongly that the talent is there and that they're going to be ready to compete. And it's also, you know, those kids are hungry after what happened last year. What happened last year is not supposed to happen in Baton Rouge, and they've been hearing about it. And I guess you can take that one of two ways. But you would. I guess we're kind of expecting that they're going to take that as motivation uh, to to get better, to have gone better, and, and to want to make this year, you know, prove this year that last year was the aberration.
1: Do they have the fastest outfield in all of college baseball?
5: They might. Um, Daniel Cabrera does not have the same kind of speed as those other two. That, that's so true. Yeah, that, that's true. And Daniel Cabrera moves pretty well himself. But it's, uh, it's an impressive group. They might have the best outfield, period. Uh, whether it's the fastest or not, it's definitely up there. Yeah.
0: Teddy, it's Brian Haydad. Look, bringing it back to Mississippi here for a second, I think one of the guys who's been overlooked this offseason for MSU is Ethan Small, who's getting the the ball Friday night uh, at the new doo Noble. Do you like him as a Friday night starter? Do you think he can be that, that every every Friday night guy for the Bulldogs? Yeah, I think he
5: can be. The way he pitched down the stretch, um, you know, I know Pilkinson was still going out uh, at the front of series a lot, but Small was the most consistent pitcher in the second half of the season for the Bulldogs. and. I think that he has what it takes to go out and, and be that Friday night guy. He might not be the most dynamic Friday night pitcher in the SEC, uh, but I think he can be that reliable guy. And he has pretty good stuff, too. I, I, he's, a, he's a very good pitcher, and getting him back was very big for the Bulldogs. And I, I think it's fair to say he, it has flown under the radar a little bit. People have been so excited uh, in Starkville about Jake Mangum coming back and getting J.T. in and... Uh, you know all the other things that are going on with the program but getting Ethan Small back was a, a really nice thing for them uh, when he decided not to go out into the Pro Bowl
1: Teddy, what kind of a, a scouting report have you gotten on Matt Walner uh, as, as part of the rotation on Scott Berry's team at Southern Miss And I, I don't know if you know this or not, Scott told us earlier this afternoon that uh, in his last outing of the spring, uh, had a little bit of a muscle strain in his forearm and is not going to pitch this weekend, the, uh, the opening weekend
5: yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to see how that all unfolds. He's been banged up uh, kind of throughout his college career, in term, and it's limited him a little bit as to what he can do on the map. But when he's right, he, uh, he has a really big fastball. Uh, everyone knows about the power he has to play. He, he has a powerful fastball as well. And if he can uh, you know, take that into the rotation and, and take it you know, throw in the, the mid to upper 90s, um, you know, four six innings that would be huge for them. Uh, but it sounds like that's not going to happen uh, this weekend for sure. And uh, you know, it, it's a little unclear when he will be back in, in the rotation for them. Uh, but it would be a nice get for them if they can get him in there, uh, or even if they could. You know, he's been a very effective reliever when he's been able to do that. So if he can make that jump from from bullpen to rotation, that would be uh, it, it. Would be a, a, a nice boost for, for Southern Miss.
1: Mike Bianco announces his rotation. Will Etheridge, who was a reliever a year ago. Zach Phillips, who was a Juco guy a year ago. And then um, Hoagland's going to be the third starter, who was playing high school baseball a year ago. A little bit different look this season on the mound than, than maybe you've seen for, for past years. Do Ole Miss fans have reason to be excited with those three guys? I
5: think yes, because... You know, Etheridge has always had this big arm. He was a big-time recruit coming out of high school. And Hoagland, you know, we all know, you know, it's a top 40 pick and turns down the Pirates and, and comes to school. And, I, you know, I think Phillips has, has pretty solid stuff as well. But, you know, it, so on their own, they all definitely have um, you know, stuff that's, that's worthy of being excited about. But I, I also think that I'd be excited just that they – Bianco chose those three guys because I, I really feel like he has a pool of at least half a dozen arms that could start in the rotation and be pretty solid SEC starting pitchers. So I think no matter what he settles on, it's going to be good. It, it's just a matter of like, is that, are those three guys going to be the three all 15 weeks? We'll see, but I, I think that there's plenty of upside with those three guys.
1: No, Baseball America put out the projections. Uh, I guess it was last week for uh, for the postseason. You, you like Ole Miss and Mississippi State hosting? We got like thirty seconds left.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I think they both have that kind of ability. And uh, you know, if you if you go out and do it in the FCC you uh, you oftentimes get rewarded with that host site. And I, I think they both can do it.
1: Where are you going to be tomorrow, Teddy? You going to that, uh, that Vanderbilt, Virginia game?
5: Yes, I will be there to see number one Vanderbilt uh, go go at it on opening day.
1: That's pretty good stuff. Enjoy it, my friend. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Teddy Cahill, Baseball America. Boatload of information right there for you. More coming up, Renaissance Bank Studio. (music) Kicking off kind of a baseball hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. We started it with Teddy Cahill on the Farm Bureau phone line. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Hey, got something I want to tell you about with Mississippi Land Bank. They've got a special event coming up on Mississippi, uh, oh, let's see, at Mississippi Land Bank on Friday, February 22nd. At the six main locations, Cenotopia, Clarksdale, Cleveland, Starkville, Tupelo, and Corinth, there is a tree giveaway. They're giving away trees for you to plant. So that is a week from tomorrow, Friday, February 22nd. You can find out more information on the Mississippi Landbook Facebook page, But uh, make your plan. I mean, if you're in North Mississippi, in Senatobia, Clarksdale, Cleveland, Starkville, Tupelo, or Corinth, one week from tomorrow, it is a free tree giveaway day. Hey, Dad, do you need a tree?
0: I do not need a tree.
1: You don't want to plant a tree in your yard?
0: No, uh, no, I don't, no. Why do you not need a tree? Everybody needs a tree. Do you have, I have trees, trees in my backyard? I'll take one. I don't, I don't one. have trees in my front yard.
3: I need one of I had to pull the only one we had in our front yard out. Even though I rent, I still like do yard stuff. It just it I enjoy doing it. And so, did you know, you get
1: back to mowing your actual yard or did you just let your neighbor keep creeping on you.
3: Well, since it's been the winter and we both have Bermuda, there hasn't been any grass to cut for the last few mm-hmm. months. But when I get back to it, yeah, I think I'm going to continue testing to see how much more of my yard i can get them to cut but uh the point is i had to pull a tree out of my front yard and i am really thinking about going to a nearby forest and just
1: pulling something out of there but if i don't have to do that that would help too hey Dad, i'm, I'm a little worried about you not being able to channel your inner john denver <laughs> plant a tree for your tomorrow you know yes, I,
0: I remember i remember that yeah. I have Come trees on, in the man. backyard. Not in they,
1: they've got them at the Starkville office. All you got to do is run by and grab a tree. Oh my god! It's about tree producing oxygen and loving the the earth.
0: Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll talk to my kids. If my kids want a tree, I'll we'll go get a tree.
1: There you go. Your kids are going to want a tree.
0: I mean, they're probably you're probably right. So.
1: Hey, let's talk some baseball. What do you say?
0: Yeah, they make on bats the, out of trees.
3: Not in the game we're talking about.
0: Oh, that's true, that's true.
1: The, the, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they've got ash trees or not that they're giving away at Mississippi oh, yeah. Land Bank one yeah. week yeah. from tomorrow. Um, Houston Roth has suffered an injury in his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, a sprained AC joint, I think, that I read. What's the impact on that, Rippy? What's the timetable?
4: Um, I, he may get held out this weekend as a precautionary, but I, I don't really find it to be a big deal at all. I don't think it'll be significant.
1: If you're a pitcher, which means you don't hit, and it's in your non-throwing shoulder,
4: just like a pain tolerance thing? Yeah, I would imagine so.
1: What would the concern be? Like your ability to raise your glove to catch a line drive?
4: Yeah, and I'd fielding balls, and I guess, I mean, have you, I've yeah, I mean, I guess it would be kind of a pain-tolerance thing. I'm, I mean,
1: I guess you still use that left arm with a glove on your hand, but
4: you're not pitching with it. No. I guess you'd be a fielding liability, potentially. I mean, it's all part of throwing things.
0: motion. I mean, the, the whole body's working in conjunction with one another to get that ball across the plate. So if, yeah. if something up top hurts, it might hurt all the way around.
1: Yeah,
3: and
0: just not prob- as
1: much strain on that arm. And you probably don't need him this weekend. Well, that's true also, and he wasn't going to be part of the weekend rotation. The expectation was that maybe he would have been the first out of the bullpen?
4: Yes, and then start Tuesday.
1: So uh, we'll see if he's able to start on Tuesday, or if they go from a precautionary standpoint, hold him out a week or two to, uh, to begin the year. So we do this before the start of the football season, and we do it before the start of the basketball season, so it seems reasonable that we would do this to start the baseball season as well. Expectations. Hey, Dad, what are Mississippi State fan expectations going into this year? That would be part one of the question. And then part two will be are those expectations fair for first-year head coach Chris Lemonis? So, first part of the question, what are the expectations for the Bulldogs this year?
0: I, I think people expect this team to be in competition for the SEC championship, to be in competition for a regional host spot, and to uh, make have a, have a chance to go back to Omaha. And do I think those expectations are reasonable? Yes, I do. I really do. I think that they, they are. I think this team brings back a ton of production at the plate. Uh, as, I, as I asked Teddy, I, I like Ethan Small in that Friday night role. And JT Ginn, JT Ginn is sort of the X factor, isn't he? If, if he is... A solid he just has to be solid. I mean if he's great, even better. But if he's just a solid Saturday starter and they can have that one two punch, then, then you're gonna have an opportunity, I think, to uh, to win some series and put yourself in, in position to do the things that, that that are the goals.
1: What are the um what are the reports out of spring training
0: on how JT again has been? I mean they're giving him the ball on Saturday. He's in the weekend rotation as of now. Well, I know
1: that, but I mean, some, you know, people will talk. You you hear stuff like, has he been absolutely dominant? Has he been up and down? Has he been just good? And they thought he would be good.
0: From from what I've heard, that he and and the pitching staff has been has been has had the advantage over the hitters uh, in in spring camp, and that's surprising to me, considering that you've got some new faces there in the bullpen, and then, like I said, with Gen and you know Keegan James has never been a starter before. And you have so much, you know, veteran production coming back at the plate. You you would have thought it might have been the other way around, but the pitching evidently was was the uh, the talk of camp.
1: There you go. Um, what about for Ole Miss, Rippy?
0: Expectations.
1: What are they from the fans going in, and are they fair?
4: I think it's to be a national seed and get back to Omaha or a super or get or be a super regional host, and you know at least get to that point because, I mean, you bring back seven of nine starters. You have a first-round pick that showed up on campus starting on Sundays. You bring back essentially the entire bullpen. I mean, I don't don't really think the expectations have changed for this team than it was a year ago, but it'll be kind of an interesting dynamic because, you know, they won't really be able to rectify anything that happened a year ago until June. Yeah.
1: You know, when, when you say that out loud... It's almost like you go, man, that's a big ask. To, to say the expectation for this particular team is to be a top eight national seed and to get to Omaha, which means you win a Super Regional. But I agree with you. And I also agree that they're fair. Because this is two years removed, so the, the junior year, for that number one ranked recruiting class, a bunch of guys coming back. Games changed a little bit, and this is a big time offensive lineup.
4: It isn't, but at the same time, and Teddy Cahill mentioned it earlier. You had half a dozen guys that they thought had a legitimate chance on the weekend. I mean, look, Houston Roth, who I think most most prognosticated to be a, the Saturday guy, got squeezed out of the rotation. You had Doug Nakase too, and you know. Jordan Fowler and Greer Holston were kind of, with regards to potentially starting on the weekend, kind of almost afterthoughts because of the depth that they had and some of the newcomers they brought in, so I mean, aside from it it remains to be seen whether Etheridge is the dominant Friday night guy like a Ryan Rollison or some of these other guys you'll see on Friday nights, but aside from that I mean, there's not a whole lot they're missing on paper as far as a piece I mean, they've got to figure out some bullpen roles, the back end is Seemingly short up with Parker Curacy, but how does the middle relief fill out and, and things like that? And Bianco presumably will have a, a more left. He, they basically only had one left-handed option out of the pin last year. You'll have a couple if if Caleb Hill can contribute. Um, so they've they've got pretty much all on paper. It's just yeah. kind of how it fleshes itself out on the field.
1: Hey, Dad, I've kind of broken what I think expectations can be and are really reasonable for Ole Miss and for Mississippi State. They've done that in the past. Like, not in a specific year, just in a general, from a general sense. I don't think there's anything wrong at all with fans from both sides expecting that the Rebels and the Bulldogs are in a regional every single year. That's not yeah. an unreasonable expectation.
0: No, I don't think so at all. If you can't I be in don't the think top it, nine in the SEC at State or Ole Miss, buddy, you, you, you need to get out of coaching. Yeah,
1: and, and and if you want to say, well, every year, well, okay, maybe not every year, maybe nine years out of ten. Maybe there's one year where you just say, you know what, everything just went sideways. Yeah, Whatever. But I think every year to a regional. I think you ought to be in a super regional three out of every five years mm. and ought to get to Omaha a minimum of once every five years. I think that's reasonable. You agree? I do. That's the state you're living in in college baseball. Question on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. At Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Charlie says, Is it fair to expect College World Series for Ole Miss one out of every five years, considering they've only been once in the last 40 years? Or are you basing that off of fan support and facilities slash recruiting? And it's absolutely the latter, but I would maybe even take it one step farther than that, Charlie. It's based on the the overarching investment in the program. It's an investment that, as an athletic department and as a university, has been made financially, it's an investment that fans have made financially and emotionally and because of those investments you you have those things you have fan support you have facilities that are you know that, that when, when you get to the top level of baseball stadiums and facilities you get into personal preference so so the the subjective de- debate of what's the best facility in the country well what do you like um, but they're in that tier of programs that their facilities don't take a back seat to anybody and that's because of the amount of money that they've spent Mississippi State's in the exact same place Mississippi State just made a 60 million dollar investment into baseball facilities now Rippy pointed something out just a second ago say it again
3: what? Atta a boy. How
4: about scholarships? <laughs> oh, scholarships in. matter. Scholarships matter more than any of that. I mean, facilities are great and all, and that'll help attract kids, but the scholarship disparity trumps every bit of that. Yeah,
1: which which really makes what Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Southern Miss have done on pretty much a year in year out basis even more remarkable. You agree with that, hey, Dad?
0: I do, I do, and the fact that they, but I think it's because of what you said. It's because of the investment that's been put in, and there, there are players who you know look at and say, "Well, maybe I, I I have to pay a little bit to go here, but look at the 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 fan support, look at the facilities I get to play in, the tradition I get to play with. That matters to some players."
3: Yeah, fighting one disadvantage with an advantage helps and uh, i mean i came to college in mississippi from out of state and it is not nearly as expensive to come to college here as an out-of-state kid as it was when i looked at georgia and when i looked at auburn and when i looked at alabama i Wait, know you're you not really, getting into georgia i would have if i'd have applied you That's i chose impressive uh, believe it or not i actually was a pretty good student uh when i tried um but I didn't bother because it was just so expensive. I mean, it was out of this world expensive as an out of state student to go to Georgia.
4: It wasn't that way here at all. We got into an ACT score pissing match on air the other day. What was yours? I don't remember. Can you say that word? Is that word aloud? He did.
0: He said it, I guess, you're right?
4: There's I'll been like a lot worse things. <laughs> said, Rippy is said.
1: questioning whether or not you could have gotten into Georgia with a
4: 28 ACT. I was just curious. I was seeing if I beat him. No, or not. I probably could. I knew have. I don't know. They,
3: I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But I didn't
1: bother. <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless. Richard, um, what's, your,
0: what's your expectation level for USM every year? Because I don't think they're that far off. I mean, maybe in no. Omaha every five years is a bit much, but I expect USM to be in regionals every year.
1: Yes. And I think their fans do. Um you know, I, I might I, I might back it to regional play four out of five years for Southern Miss. And and here's why. That, that, that's not a knock because Southern Miss is consistently. I think now, I think they have dethroned Rice as consistently the best baseball program in Conference USA. But that is a league that is not getting seven, eight, nine, ten teams into the field of 64. It's a league that's getting two or three or occasionally four. And so. Even if you have a good year in conference play, but you're kind of sitting there, if the if the non-conference schedule doesn't fall just right and the league is not overall really good, then sometimes the metrics just aren't going to favor. Mm-hmm. So I would say four out of five years, a regional for Southern Miss is a fair expectation. And I would say a super regional... You say one or two out of every five years. Because more years than not, Southern Miss is going to be a two-seed on the road. Just based on history, what we've seen. They've hosted at Pete Taylor Park twice. Doesn't mean that they can't do it on a regular basis, but it's harder to go on the road as a two-seed. So I would say getting to a super regional once out of every five years and, and one
4: trip to Omaha a decade. I think most of the... Like the the goal should like in a yearly basis. I'm not saying like expectations for a program, but the goal should be to get to supers because super regionals are a crapshoot. I agree. You play Come all of on, that yeah. for a two out of three. So you, if you just get in position, that's kind of what you're aiming for. So
0: so, so yeah, so I, who, I mean, I would picture that Southern had a couple of years ago that was just dominant. What was his name? Nick, Nick
4: Sandlin last year was yeah, unbelievable.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you go to a super regional with a guy like that. I mean, you got to feel pretty good that you're going to win game one, and then it's just all hands on deck, and you can if you can just you just got to win one more. That's all you got to do. And so. the
3: next guy on the other side on a Friday night in a Super Regionals equally as good. That's that's where the crapshoot thing comes into play. Yeah. Even in regionals, everybody's got a good day one starter. St. Louis, even though Ole Miss kind of beat him up pretty good, had a guy with outstanding numbers coming into that game.
4: State ran into that a couple years ago. With the kid from Arizona, Dahlbeck, got drafted yeah. by the Red Sox that day. Yeah, and then yeah. And that was a, I mean, that was a, a fantastic
0: Mississippi State team. And just they they ran into the hot they ran into the hot team. Didn't Arizona did they end up winning the national title that year?
1: No, they lost in the championship series. Yeah,
0: I knew they got close. So
1: who did they lose to? Oh,
0: now I gotta look it up.
1: Yeah, Oregon, I'm,
0: I'm, Is it Oregon State? No.
1: No, it wasn't Oregon State that year. Oregon State won it back-to-back
4: in 06 and 07. Coastal 07.
0: Carolina. How could we forget?
4: That's right. Coastal went to Baton Rouge and won a Super. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah?
1: The
4: Chanticleers. Hey, that's um, one of
3: those programs. You, you talked about scholarships. The state of South Carolina has a, a lottery system that goes straight to paying for college. I mean, you can have a marginal GPA and marginal test scores and still get scholarship money.
1: They've got a beautiful facility, too. That helps. Beautiful facility. Hey, um, Dad, best case, worst case, most reasonable scenario for Mississippi State this year? Best case scenario?
0: Omaha. Worst case. But, not, let, yeah. let, hold on. Let, let's back
1: out it. Let's say going into the postseason.
0: Okay. Best case would be to be a national seed, to be a high okay. one, to be in the top five, maybe. Uh, worst case would be you're a two-seed in somebody else's regional. Uh, the reasonable is to probably be a host but not be one of the uh, the top eight seeds.
1: Okay. Rippy, what do you do for Ole Miss? Best case, worst case, most
4: likely scenario. Oh, I mean, isn't the worst case missing the postseason? I mean, I don't think that's necessarily that realistic.
1: But well, uh, maybe, okay, maybe a better way to a- ask it is ceiling and floor for this team.
4: I guess floor is they kind of struggle and have a bit of, I mean, not a hangover from a year ago and kind of barely sneak into the tournament via two or three seed somewhere. I mean, the ceiling is they could be a top three or four national seed and host again. I mean, the talent level is there. And you saw it last year. Remember
1: with the way that the hosting setup is, it's one through 16 seeded now. So the higher a seed you are, theoretically, the better your chances are to get to Omaha because you're going to be playing a lower number one seed in a super regional scenario. Doesn't always work that way because baseball is about playing the best at the end of the year. What What's the team that's playing the best at that time of the uh, of the year? Um, Southern Miss. You go best case, worst case. I think best case they are a uh, they're a top sixteen seed and they're hosting a regional. Worst case is just miss out on getting to postseason play and. You know the most likely scenario for Southern Miss this year is that that they're probably a two seed somewhere, and that's a scary two seed coming to your place, especially if Matt Walder gets healthy and stays healthy and is the dominant arm that a lot of people think that he's going to be, because not not different from that super regional setup. If you go in as a two-seed and and you win that first game and then you manage to win the second game, you're in the driver's seat. Doesn't always work out. We saw that a couple of years ago in Hattiesburg. But that's a good recipe to win a regional. Doesn't always work out. We saw it in Oxford last year. But more times than not, you win those first two, you're headed to the second weekend of postseason play in college baseball. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Fort Stock, Mississippi, just after five o'clock with you. Weather permitting, we will be playing baseball all across the Magnolia State this time tomorrow. Probably be about oh the third inning most of the games. Richard Cross, Michael Borke, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and you on this Thursday. Rolling into the five o'clock hour college football fix coming your way. But first, we'll tell you that Sports Talk is brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs, then Mississippi Land Bank has got you covered in North Mississippi. Whether you're buying a piece of property, you're a farmer that needs to get an equipment loan, maybe you're going to refinance an existing loan or get a crop loan, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for over 100 years. And coming up a week from tomorrow, February 22nd, Mississippi Land Bank has its tree giveaway day. The six main branch locations scattered uh, about North Mississippi will uh, have trees for you. You can get a free tree next Friday in Senatobia, Clarksdale, Cleveland, Starkville, Tupelo, and Corinth. For more information, go to their Facebook page, uh, the Facebook page for Mississippi Land Bank Where they know the lay of the land Let's jump into the college football fix Driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers Log on to buyfordnow.com See all that Ford has to offer The best selling truck in America The Ford F-150 Just part of the offering At your local Mississippi Ford dealers But don't just start and stop online Go buy your local Mississippi Ford dealer And test drive one today Story from football, Scoop. This is interesting. On Thursday, that's today, the NCAA announced its Committee for Legislative Relief. This week began a holistic review of new transfer guidelines that passed last April for undergraduate athletes looking for immediate eligibility at another school. That's interesting. The Committee for Legislative Relief. This is a quote from the story, is reviewing current transfer waiver guidelines to make sure they're in line with the membership's expectations. We do believe attention on a small number of high-profile requests can skew perceptions of the scope of staff and committee review. That's a quote from Katie McKittrick, Deputy Athletics Director and Senior Woman Administrator at Lafayette. Each waiver request is reviewed individually, as they each present a unique fact pattern and almost always confidential information of the student. Our committee and the staff operate with the membership's guidelines in mind and are not driven by a specific approval percentage. (laughs) Somebody said, we got to walk back this rule we put in place because it's about to go cray-cray. Cray, cray. Did you just say cray, cray? I sure did.
0: All right, sure. And I'm
1: laughing all the way through it. In April, the NCAA loosened the guidelines to allow all students whose transfers are not challenged by their outgoing school and who experience, quote, documented mitigating circumstances that are outside the student-athlete's control and directly impact the health, safety, and well-being, close quote. I mean, there was somebody that was really smart that came up with that language. But maybe they were book smart. Maybe there wasn't a whole lot of street smart. Maybe there wasn't a whole lot of common sense that went into the structuring of that bylaw language. Since the adoption of that language last April, 51... Of the 63 FBS football players who have sought an immediate eligibility waiver have received one. That's according to a study by the AP. The most notable case came last Friday when Justin Fields was approved to play for Ohio State after competing for Georgia as a true freshman in 2018. In the meantime, fellow quarterback Tate Martell seeks a waiver after leaving Ohio State for Miami. And wide receiver Brew McCoy seeks a waiver to play at Texas after enrolling at USC in January. Now that lasted for like seven minutes, right? He, I mean, he was he he was not at USC long enough to take a trip to see the Hollywood sign.
0: He got a couple. He got a class in, I think.
1: He or did least... not have time to go on the bus tour to see the homes of the stars in. Brentwood Hills and Hoppy Hills and Beverly Hills. He wasn't there long enough for that, hey Dad.
0: No, he probably he probably didn't get to do a lot of the, the stuff that you do. He was basically on vacation in L.A. He went he went on a vacation for you know an extended vacation for a couple weeks, but basically that's what he did. Somebody
1: said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! We got to tap the brakes on this deal."
3: The right person complained, so who would that have been?
0: USC. Could yeah. have done that. I don't know if Clay Helton and... USC um, is, is a power program, though. I mean, they, they, they have that kind of sway. Could, uh, could Georgia have done it? They're a little peeved about the Justin Fields situation? Maybe... I mean, because this isn't got, the NCAA. We there's know. so many players in the portal. We had a lot of options here. You know, everybody's losing players.
1: So a rule. Look, uh, you can call me a conspiracy theorist if you would like. Feel free. You can paint me with whatever paintbrush you you want to for what I'm about to say. But the rule that was largely put in place to make it really easy for the NCAA to twist the knife a little bit more with Ole Miss, has had a ripple effect and has um, caused some collateral damage that they didn't think through all the way.
3: You called it when it happened. This rule was made to get Shea Patterson eligible at Michigan. That's why this happened. The timing works out perfectly. The rule was made for Shea Patterson to get eligible, and when that happened, you on this very show, on every station that you're listening to right now, Richard Cross said that they don't realize what they just did by making this rule.
1: But, hey, Dad, how is it possible that smart people didn't have the foresight to see what this rule going into place was going to cause? Look, man, I'm just a kid who went to public school in Mississippi and has a college degree, a single undergraduate degree that took him six and a half years to get. Cheated in Spanish. Shut (laughs) up. That's all I am. And it was pretty easy for me to look at this and go, uh... Are you familiar with the term unintended consequences? Yeah. Because they're coming, baby. And they are coming fast. And once they start coming, you won't be able to stop them unless you have a meeting of the Committee on Legislative Relief to review the current transfer waiver guidelines to make sure that they're in line with the membership's expectations. Shut up. You are too dumb and too short-sighted to figure out what the heck this was going to cause when you put it in place. That was last April. We're talking 10 months ago. 10 months ago you put this rule in place, and now you're going to walk back the most significant transfer legislation that you've put in place in two decades, 10 months after you put it in?
0: It's one of those, like, what happened was kind of moments. That's that's what's happened here, Right. The NCAA is like, all right, we did something good. We did. because here's here's the truth, and, and this may hurt you a little bit to hear, but the decision to let the guys out of the old, at Ole Miss was the right decision. The, pole, the, the that was the right decision. I, but I, I, I'm not. I arguing agree. with that. I, I don't disagree. It, I agree. With that. Now, they, now they've now they've you know we, I keep saying Pandora's box on the show. I think I've said it like three times in the last week. But yes, they they made a decision that's that now people are going to jump on, and and kudos to the athletes. Take control of your own destiny. I'm, I'm all for it, and I'm all for these athletes getting free transfers. I don't, I don't have any sympathy for coaches who make millions of dollars holding on to athletes, saying no, you can't do. that. I don't have any time for that. So, you know, man, I, I mean, maybe I'm just an agent of chaos here, but uh, I, I, I'm perfectly okay with what's going well, on. But the, the, that said, I don't know where we're going with the NCA. Why, why do y'all expect good things from the NCA? Y'all of all people shouldn't. It's like you're, sh- you're shocked every <laughs> I time they do something. You're shocked every time they do something dumb. No, oh, I'm not
1: dumb. No, I'm. That's the thing, hey Dad. I'm never shocked when they do something dumb. Act shocked that you sound shocked. No, I'm making fun of it. <laughs> hey, hey, this is the most predictable thing by the NCAA ever. Listen, there are a bunch of really smart .edu people out there, but there are a whole bunch of dumb, smart people, too. I mean a boatload of dumb, smart people. And the people who put this rule in place and thought it wasn't going to have fallout, collateral, unintended consequences, they're in the dumb, smart people category. Sports Talk Mississippi, online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippy, Farm Bureau phone line right now. Noted outdoorsman, former big league baseball player, college baseball analyst for the SEC Network, David Papadaluccio on your radio. Delucci, what's up, man?
2: Thanks for having me. I I, I can't think of anyone
6: I'd rather spend Valentine's Day with than you over the uh, the airwaves.
1: It's special. I'm glad you specified the over the airwaves part because um, (laughs) (laughs) otherwise I was going to have some concern. Hey, um, (laughs) genuine question here because I know you love baseball, but I also know you love the outdoors. So which do you love Mm -hmm. more, the game of baseball or the combination of Deer hunting, Turkey hunting, pig hunting.
6: Oh, that's not fair. Um, if i had to if I had to make a choice to give up one, I'd have to give up baseball. Wow <laughs> yeah, man.
1: I'm, you, you, uh, you do know that it's baseball that has allowed you to uh, to live this life of leisure where you spend so much time in the woods, right?
6: That is true, but uh, but my baseball playing days are over, and uh, and I've got a lot of, of uh, hopefully hunting and, and fishing adventures ahead of me. So um, there, there's no look. I tried. I tried to play baseball in that um, old timers Kansas Stars uh, baseball team a couple years ago. I got hurt, in that. I uh, played some celebrity <laughs> softball games. I've been hurting those. I get it, man. The handwriting's on the wall. My baseball days are over, so it's off to the woods for me.
1: All right, last silly question for you. Then we'll get into some SEC baseball stuff. Which has caused you more time in the hospital: <laughs> your hunting activities or your baseball activities?
6: <laughs> this is becoming a habit to uh, to end the hunting season. Uh, with a trip to the ER, so I, and I've had several surgeries through baseball, but uh, I'm not getting up the, the hospital points from hunting, that's for sure.
1: Hey, so we were talking earlier uh, about baseball in the state of Mississippi and expectations on a year-in, year-out basis. Given the, the investment from the schools and from the fans, what is a reasonable set of expectations year-in, year-out? For Mississippi State and for Ole Miss,
6: I think it's reasonable. And look, I'm, I'm, I may throw a wrench in this in, in your question, but I think it's very, very likely, uh, and and not any stretch whatsoever to expect to add Southern Miss to this and say Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Southern Miss. You can you can expect them to be regional teams uh for for several years to come the way uh you know and I'll go back to to, to your question with Mississippi State and all this the way that these two programs have developed over the last several years they they are now uh year in and year out contenders for a national championship and um and and the, the hardest thing to do is to get into the regionals. And and then it it becomes the hottest team, and and you've got to build for that. You have to stay healthy, Uh, and these programs have done it. There is incredible depth in these rosters, and I think that uh, was on display an awful lot last year with Mississippi State and now you get, which I think we've seen LSU for many years, you get to the point where you expect as a player that when you put on that uniform, whether it's the Mississippi State uniform or the Ole Miss uniform, or I'm going to include Southern Miss as well, when you put on that uniform, your expectations are we're going to go to the postseason, and when you come in for the first day of fall workouts, every workout and every practice from here on out goes toward a College World Series trip and and that's where we're at so when i played it was totally different um you know you were just trying to have a competitive season and you had to to fight that uh stigma of you know maybe we will maybe we won't we hope we will now it's there's no hope there's no maybe you're going to go we we expect as a fan as a resident of the state of mississippi those two teams are going to be in the playoffs every year
1: David DeLucci on your radio, college baseball analyst with ESPN and the SEC Network. We were talking some about LSU earlier today, and every poll that's out there has some combination of Vanderbilt and LSU as number one and number two. I'm curious if if we're overplaying LSU a little bit, considering the fact that they're likely to have four first-year players, and then Josh Smith, who played almost none a year ago because of injury, in kind of their position rotation, and two of their three starters uh, didn't play a year ago. Eric Walker obviously missed the entire season because of uh, of injury last year. Are we overplaying LSU, or is the talent on that roster th- does it justify the the number one or number two ranking going into the year?
6: No, I, I do think they're a talented ball club. I, I do think that that is is uh, is inflated. I'm 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 not against the Vanderbilt uh, being the top tier team because they basically played all year uh, with a lineup of eight of the nine position players uh, or eight of the nine defense players being freshmen. I get that. The LSU, uh, I I think that's very, very generous on their part. Uh, I'm wondering, um, when we're talking about the Mississippi teams, I'm wondering why Ole Miss is, is as low as they are, because Ole Miss is basically bringing back their offense. And there's a lot of question marks in LSU's offense. Sure, Antoine Duplantis comes back. Sure, Zach Watson comes back. Uh, those guys are solid in that, in that lineup. Question mark being their Friday night starter with Zach Hess. He did not perform up to expectations in that role last year. If he, if he has a rough year again as a Friday night starter, LSU's in trouble. And also LSU... Uh, has been injury-prone not only on, on their position players, but in their pitching staff. And Coach Maneri had to sit nine pitchers out the whole fall. So I don't get it. I, I, they're going to be a very good team, but I think they have to prove themselves before you go ahead and, and, and put them in, in number one and some polls number two. But, look, I I, I don't credit – preseason polls at all. I don't credit preseason All-Americans, preseason SECs. I don't credit any of that stuff. It's what you do when the season starts is a completely different monster. And we're going to find out the SEC West this year is about as strong as it's been in a while. And that doesn't bode well for a team like LSU.
1: When you look at Mississippi State, Ethan Small comes back as part of that rotation. The other two arms are new arms. I think they return... Hey, Dad. Is it eight position players, eight position starters? Is that right?
0: Uh, it's it's eight, but you got Westbrook moving to short, where he's never played before in college.
1: Okay, so so seven guys playing in the spots they played in a year ago. Yeah. I, is Mississippi State a contender to win the West and win the SEC? I think so. I,
6: I think uh, I think they they look with, with Mississippi State is bringing back is probably the most important player to his team of any college baseball player is Jake Mangum. And I'll never count out Jake Mangum. He's one of my favorite players in college baseball. I'll never count him out. And I'll never count out how how valuable he is inside the locker room and what he means to that team. And when Jake Mangum takes the field, he forces the rest of the team to rise up to his level. And look what they did last year. Many, many people wrote them off after opening weekend, and they just kept battling back. Well, now these guys have a year under their belt. They're used to the situation. They've had their backs against the wall so many times last year and could have hung them up and gone home and said, we had a good year, nice job, let's look forward to next year. Don't forget this. That team last year was a team that couldn't even practice on their own field. They had to go to Jackson. They couldn't take fly balls. They couldn't work on cutoffs and relays. They have a full fall behind them where they could scrimmage, they could practice, they could get it all in. I think they're going to be off and running. I think they're a year stronger, a year wiser, and I would not. And that's a team that when you look at how, how the SEC West is ranked, I would not sleep on Mississippi State.
1: David, last thing, got about a minute left. Does Old Miss have the best offensive lineup in the SEC?
6: Yes, they did. Uh, they, you know, they they had the highest batting average last year, hitting 300. They were up there at home runs with Arkansas the whole year. The, uh, the the Fab Four from Oxford High is now their juniors. You've got Greg Kessinger, Thomas Dillard, Zabowski. Watch out for those three guys. Uh, Keenan, a, a year under his belt. Now you're going to incorporate Elko, possibly in right field, Chase Cockrell. Uh, that is a an offense that can carry a team. Even if the new pitching rotation sputters a little bit, that offense is going to be special.
1: We appreciate your time this afternoon. Not sure what the weather's yeah, going to do this weekend, but uh, we're going to try and get the college baseball season started this weekend.
6: Yep, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully we can get uh, Friday night as our opener, but uh, but it's going to be a fun weekend no matter what. And I appreciate you uh, spending Valentine's Day with me, Richard. Quite special. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, happy uh, Happy Valentine's Day to your girls, by the way. I don't really care about you, but uh, the girls in your life, top shelf. See you, bud.
6: Yep. Yep, thank you.